Well, welcome back to another episode of the Black Feelings Podcast. I'm Aylita. And I'm Monica. Thanks for joining us. Um, today we're sitting with singer-songwriting, songwriter, sorry. I don't want to fuck up everything else. I will allow you to introduce yourself. But Stefan Marcellus is sitting with us today, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, how you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Of course. So besides singing and songwriting, you were also on a Broadway show or in a Broadway play? I was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah go, go ahead. <laughs> I was in a, a Broadway, well, off-Broadway play called Hair. Um, I also did uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Spring Awakening. It's uh, pretty cool. Have you always been into acting or is that something that just kind of came along after uh, music? That definitely just came along. I remember just going to that, that black box theater just to support. And I was like, you know, what? I would love to, to become a part of it. And it was like, cool. What about being in here? And I was like, what about, no, I could do anything else, literally <laughs> anything else. And, um, but then they, they, they kind of lassoed me in. I kind of got stuck. Then I, I was like auditioning for things that I didn't even know I was auditioning for. <laughs> uh, Spring Awakening came up and they were like, we think you should, we think it's time. You should, you should be the lead. And I was like, I think you're crazy. I think you're <laughs> outside of your mind. But nah, it was really fun. It was really fun. Um, acting is a completely different experience, especially like in a, in a group like that or in a, in a play or any type of ensemble. It's really, really dope. Singing is very like introspective and mean, outer, you know? And then this is like a cohort and we're all kind of lifting up everything together, which was really cool, I think. That's awesome. Yeah. Besides all of that, you were also on season 13 of The Voice, which we will talk about later. But first I want to know, how did you get into singing, songwriting? Like, how did you know that was your passion? Mm. Um, singing... I think I just, I, I always did it like around the house when I was younger to the point where I didn't realize that other people couldn't sing. I think, I thought it was just like a thing that you just work for, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be a doctor. So I go to med school. Like, and that's kind of what I thought it was. And, uh, I remember seeing this movie called Double Platinum with Brandy and, uh, Diana Ross. And I went into school the next day, somebody had a party. And so I picked up and I kind of just started imitating what I saw. I picked up these two cups and I put one to my ear and put one to my mouth and was like pretending I was in the studio. And I was saying, uh, uh, this is how we do it. That's all right. Yes. I was like, now that I think about it, I should not be singing that at eight. Um, so then this girl was like, oh my God, you should sing. You should go, go sing on top um, in the front of the class. So I did it and I was like, all right, cool. This is kind of, I like this. I like this feeling. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, so what I'm going to say is, yes, you may have not been singing that song or you shouldn't have been singing that song at eight years old. But if you have a voice that's different, I sing like dog shit and I was singing. Like <laughs> <laughs> so. Me too. <laughs> I'm definitely tone deaf. I won't, we won't subject you to any of that. But um, yes, if you can sing, just work it. You know, do what you can do. I appreciate that. But I mean, I, I would love to hear. I think the audience really would love to hear you guys sing. Well. <laughs> I think you would lose all the <laughs> They heard me singing. Unless I had Matthew hook up like auto-tune and all that other shit. <laughs> My pictures, no thank you. Or, so how old were you when that happened? Was that grade school or was that like high school? Sorry. I was definitely grade school. I was, uh, I think third grade, third grade. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, yeah. Super young. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that's not the song I need to be. <laughs> like it's crazy actually now, because I think about, you know, as we get older, I start thinking about kids. Right. And I'm just like, I would never let my son do that. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I remember there was a, a point where Beyonce, I forget what it was. It was like Partition, that song. Mm. I was like, my daughter will never listen to Beyonce as long as I live. It was like a very interesting, very interesting time in my life. I think I became very protective as uh, I got older, more aware of things. Okay. 
that makes sense though not to go on a tangent but as you you get older you understand how listening to those things can impact you're not saying that it impacts everyone the same way um Mm. but you know you you definitely know how it can go left um, listening to the wrong things Mm -hmm. thank you that as an adult i feel like Maybe I wouldn't stop my child from listening to that song, but maybe if I hear them listening to it, I'll like pull them aside and say, like, you know what this means? I'm like, you know that exactly. It up, like that conversation. Exactly. exactly, exactly. What if your kid was listening to Walk though? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> what if your kid was listening to Walk? Like, what would you uh, say to that? I would say <laughs> the definitions of the letters, the acronyms, to something else. <laughs> so okay. Oh, I forget. I forget what my friend said. Worship and praise. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Repurpose it. And then when they get older, I would say, like, okay, remember when you was listening to WAP at four years old? So after, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. But you know what's also interesting? Um, because and then, then I'll answer the thing about songwriting, but Remember, I got hoes. I got yes. hoes. So remember when they changed that to prose instead, mm-hmm. right? And my dad was like, so upset. <laughs> he was just like, they're not even trying to hide the word for real. Prose, <laughs> come on. Mind you, me, again, at eight, I was like, what else could they be saying? <laughs> Professional ball player. <laughs> oh, so innocent. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but songwriting, another part of that you asked was songwriting. I didn't start actually doing that until college. Um, and I think that I went to HBCU, so I went to Bowie State. But even in that, that's kind of a culture shock because there's so many different people, um, as well. And, um, I kind of felt alone, I guess, in a, in a, in a way. And, well, I guess the first the first few weeks of that, that semester, I kind of felt like, okay, I'm from New York or from, I'm from like more upstate. And, um, I kind of like, have a different type of way about me. I know I'm, I'm more of a singer, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm more, uh, to myself. And so <clears throat> a lot of that time was spent with me kind of just sitting to myself. I listened to a lot of Lauren Hill, a lot of Lauren Hill, especially the, uh, that unplugged album started getting into um, a lot of Maxwell, a lot of D'Angelo, a lot of Erica Badu. So like a lot of people that kind of like helped to unlock certain things for me. Um, so I think the seclusion was kind of good because that's when I started to actually put pen to paper. And then after that, like I was talking to everybody. I just needed the time to <laughs> <for> myself. <laughs> so, yeah. Was writing, um, I guess I'm curious, like when you, started writing did it give you like a certain level of comfort or was it cathartic i mean i imagine it was maybe like all of these things mm-hmm. but i don't know because I, do, I don't have that skill so i'm just yeah. like so curious like did it you know did it help you through like that seclusion phase that you were dealing with yeah um i think i was always like a more emotional being you know <laughs> and so the first song that I could ever say that I actually wrote, wrote was uh, called uh, Cupid. And it was talking about kind of like being in a space of I'm so in love with this woman that she just won't recognize me. And I, but C- Cupid, I like asked you for a specific type of love. Like, why won't you give that to me? You know what I mean? So that's kind of what that was about. And I don't think I had the friends at the time, especially when you grow up with a whole bunch of guys, you know what I mean? Like, you don't really have the friends that are going to like talk to you through those emotions. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, as you said, I think it was very cathartic. It was very much so like, this is how I feel. This is what I want to say. And this is the way that I can express it because I realized through music, you can express it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I honestly feel like, especially as a black man or just as a black, as a black people in general, it's, very difficult for us to have any other emotions (laughs) you know what i mean especially as a man though like you can have you can be mad and you can be happy but you can't really be all in any of those things in between or sad or any of that so i had to try to figure that out on my own and i feel like 
I feel like uh, music and, and writing actually helped me do that. When you started writing, um, did you go kind of straight into performing things that you wrote or did you keep it close? Uh, I asked that because I, I think people in general, I think even with us, with like our podcast, when it's like your craft, it can be very um, challenging to share that with the world because you're, you know, you're being vulnerable. So was it, was that something that was easy for you to do right off the bat or did it like take time to build up sharing stuff that you wrote that was personal? Definitely took time. Uh, uh, how that happened was I, I joined this group in, in college and um, it was my advisor who kind of knew that I could sing. And so he pushed me to do like different open mics. And so I did those. And then when I was in the group, I turned to one of my friends and I was like, hey, look, I wrote this song. I want you guys to hear it real quick. And so when they heard it, there was like, Steph, you need the entire group to hear this. And I was like, okay. And then they heard it. And then I went somewhere else and it was like, yo, Steph, sing that song. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it just kind of felt better because again, to you, like when you're like the mad scientist, like this is, this is great. I love this for me. And then you start like slowly sharing that with people and then they kind of give it the validation and it gets more validation. And then it's just, it, it spirals from there. And I think that's when your confidence starts to build. It was like, okay, I'm kind of good at this. That experience happened while you were in college? Yeah. Because I'm curious to know, like, from when you first started singing or even songwriting to, like, now, how would you describe the difference? Like, whether it's the process or, like, your comfortability with it? Mm -hmm. um, definitely when I started, it was, it, it, it was a very interesting time because I, I wrote that song, and I was like, wow. Can't get any better than this. This must be it. So how do I top that? Right. And um, and so you kind of like for me, I got a little fearful because I was like, I, now I'm, I'm weirded out that people have heard so many people have heard it, at least on campus, because I don't know if I could follow that up. And then um, you start, as I said, you start feeling like you can open up in different avenues or, or and talk about things in a different way. And I think that's what I really wanted to do. So back then. There wasn't really a structure. It was kind of like really free flow. It was kind of like poetry in, in, in melody. And um, now, as I guess, as time progressed, I was actually put, able to put more of a structure around it. Before, I could not write to a track at all. I would only write to what, whatever was in my head. And now I can actually write to a track. Now I can find different movements in the track. Now like, I, can, I can be okay with, all right, this song in my head sounds a little bit more country. This one is a little bit more rock and this one is a little bit more R&B. How can I, how can I do that? And I, and I feel like as an artist, we were, we're so kind of told that you have to be one thing because people only understand one thing. But as you, if you're a writer, write whatever you want, tell whatever story you want. You know? So I think I've been able, as I said, was able to unlock myself a little bit more. And just do it. I've actually been to like, I forgot how many shows of yours, but when I first met you, I went to, I want to say like two or three. Yeah. Like, mom, like Lower East Side, you have a very soulful voice, like very great stage presence. And I really enjoy your music. Thank you so much. Of course. So I want to talk about the transition from that to like being on a show, like the voice, like what was that experience like for you? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because uh, I feel like with a lot of, the, the the milestones in my life people it's not like one of those things where if people say if you would have told me i would have did this i would have been like you're out of your mind like no it actually like was like that like it would be like somebody said hey you should do this and i'd be like fuck that <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so uh i think it was the night before when i was i was at my my aunt's house and I got this email the next day. My aunt literally asked me, hey, would you ever do The Voice? And I was like, why? Why would I ever want to do that? Right? And then the next day I got an email and Aleo was like, yo, you need to check your email right now. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess, okay. I mean, I, by, by fuck that, I meant like maybe, if, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so 
I think it was just an interesting experience in general because I was coming off of the cuff of, of trying to work everything out for myself, right? And just being like really focused and really optimistic. And a lot of the times I would be like, yo, I want to put up together this VH1 like soul session type of vibe. Um, I just need a place to do it. I walk into the barbershop and there was a guy that could do it for me, you know? And I was like, well, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to say, and he was really meditating on it and being like, God, you know, hopefully he says that we could rent the space and, and the equipment for, for the love. You know what I'm saying? And he said exactly that. And I was like, oh, shit, this is, I'm going to keep doing this, right? And so that's kind of what the space I was coming from. And then so when the voice came in, I was like, all right, maybe this is the next big thing. This is what I should be focused on. This is what I was gearing up to do. And um, it it kind of humbled me in a way because I think I was getting kind of big headed, like kind of like whatever I say I, I get, you know, and I think I needed uh, a big lesson because we, we put a lot, we, we put a lot on, on those types of things and we put so much more pressure on ourselves than, than need to be. Um, and I feel like that was, that time in my life was definitely um, necessary, but I don't think I needed to win the show and I don't even think I needed to be on the show for, for um, any longer than I actually was but in your head because everything else has been like falling into place right you're just like no this is what is supposed to happen and this comes next and then i'm supposed to be a superstar and when that doesn't happen you're just like oh so i suck <laughs> you know mm -hmm. so it was a really it was a really hard lesson to learn but coming from such a green space i think it was a lesson that i definitely needed so did i answer any of your question i feel like i didn't speak a lot <laughs> Like, Monica, before you ask your next question, I think it's like really profound what you just said right now, but only because I was like texting Alea, like I wanted to have you on, like, I mean, we didn't have the podcast after you were on The Voice, but mm -hmm. the perspective of being on the show, so like, I don't know how many seasons it's been after, but like, mm -hmm. it's not something that like it happened yesterday and we're interviewing you today. Mm -hmm. You say like, I needed this growth. Yeah. And this, it's like, I'm glad everything aligned like this. Absolutely. Yeah. I, like, I get this introspection and not like, well, I should have been a superstar and I'm like super salty. Like, right, right, right. It's like gratitude right now. I'm, I, I, when I tell you, like, I'm happy that it's happening now. And I've, I've realized in general that everything, everything happens for a reason. You know, yeah. so even if we did it back then. I don't know that I would have been, actually, no, I might've been a little salty, not gonna lie. Just been a little salty. <laughs> but I would have tried to like pretty it up and been like, so like, no, but everything's going to be great because that's what, that's the persona I thought I felt like I needed to have because nobody wants to, nobody wants to see you sad. You know what I'm saying? Um, but now I can actually speak to going through it, like really going through it and now being on the other end of it. So yeah, I'm happy. Well, so how did you feel after, you know, I mean, I, I, um, I used, I used to watch the voice and I mean, I guess I just feel like reality competition shows in general seem very like difficult, um, for, for a lot of reasons. And I also imagine, I'm also always curious, like what's happening, like behind the scenes. I feel like it's just like so many layers to shows like that in general, but Tell me how you felt after. Also, tell sorry. Tell me how <laughs> how far you made it in the show, and then tell me uh, what happened after. Like how you were feeling, how you dealt with it. Uh, just talk about that a little bit. Okay, so I made it to the knockout rounds, right? And so that's right before playoffs, which playoffs are usually live. So right before the live shows. Hmm. Um, and how was I feeling? Um. So my whole run on the show was interesting because I was the first person to mess up on live television and still get a chair turn. So that was a thing. And then after that, I was like the first guy on an all-girls team, you know, Team Miley. And then so it was just a whole bunch of firsts that was happening. I was also, then it, they didn't air this part, but I was the first um, artist to, that a judge wanted to steal me back like after they, they did something. So that was like, there was a lot of firsts that was going on with me, but 
I think I never really fully recovered after the, the blind audition because in my mind, because, all right, first, when you go to a place like this, you feel like you have a purpose, right? But everybody feels like they have that same purpose, right? And <clears throat> so when I got there and, you know, I'm kind of breaking bread with all of the different um, singers that are there, and everybody's like, oh my God, Seth, you're so good. And, and so I, not even letting that get to my head, it was more so of a, yeah, but I could be better. I could always be better, need to be better. So I would go in and I would be up at 6 a.m., break into a practice room, <laughs> practice until 12, then go work out, then go eat. Then like, that was my routine all the time. Got on the stage and um, I didn't trust myself because I couldn't hear myself. And I was like, oh. So I must be in the, in the wrong note because it feels different. And so instead of trusting myself, I literally messed it up. And um, so that was something difficult to, to bounce back from. And then when they pitched it on the show, they pitched it as me forgetting my words. I didn't forget my words. I just didn't want to. Um, but thus, after that, um, led to a lot of PTSD of me never be like, even in, in the, the plays, I could not forget a word. Like, I was like, if I do that, then people, if somebody saw the show, they're just going to think I'm a fuck up. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I kind of drilled that kind of mantra into my head. Like, you have to be perfect all the time. So it was really, really difficult. Um, and then performing thereafter kind of made me feel like you have to make up for what you did. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot. It was a lot. Then getting off the show, like, my parents were trying to tell me they were proud of me. And I was like, how could you be proud of me? What did I do to make you proud? Like, but it was, that's all me stuff. You know what I'm saying? It was all me stuff. Um, and I could keep talking, but I completely forgot the question. So no, no, you can't keep talking because I was just asking, you know, how you, you felt after. So it's, right. it's really interesting to hear. Right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So feel like, feel like the after was kind of a, a, a loss of self, to be honest. Wow. I kind of, it was, I really went in feeling like this is my purpose in life. And I left feeling like, who are you? You know? And that's how that, that was for me. Yeah, that sounds rough. That was a really deep story. What were some things that you did to cope with feeling like at a loss after being eliminated from what your life dream was? Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the only thing I could do is pray to be real. Um, even that day, like I, I really didn't get it. I didn't really understand it, but, um, you know, I think that was the only solace that I, that I knew was to, to pray. Um, and I knew that a lot of the people around me didn't necessarily know how to uh, speak to me in that space because it goes from, as I said, like being very optimistic beforehand, right? Like believe, 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 believe to a halt of, yeah, I did that. So can you not tell me to do that right now? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it was it was a lot. And I feel like the only thing that I could do, the only being that I could turn to was God, honestly. And so I would just kind of sit and I would talk about it. I would dream about it. I would think about it um, and kind of redo everything. I was like, if it was only like this, then this could have happened. And, you know? Um, so I kind of spun myself in that cycle for a little while. And then after that, went right back to writing. And that's when I realized, like, how much I really loved music because it really was like a relationship. Like, you know how you go through, like, the trials and tribulations? Like, it's it's real sweet in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Then it gets really rough. <laughs> and then for some reason, you just can't quit that thing. You know, and that's when you know it's it's love and that's kind of that's been my my relationship with with music throughout this whole process that was beautiful very romantic (laughs) i'm gonna put it in a song (laughs) you should (laughs) write a love song to music it's a really good idea it is it is challenge accepted (laughs) so I mean, you, you've talked about how you felt after, um, 
you know, things didn't work out with the voice and you felt like a loss of self. But before going into it, I guess, would you describe yourself as someone that had a very strong sense of self? And like, I know you said that you felt like the voice was your purpose. Were you just overall like a really like confident person and you were like very sure of yourself? Mm -hmm. So what I have realized is that I I had self-confidence, right? If I didn't have self-confidence, I couldn't, I wouldn't get up on stages. But um, I did not have a very high self-concept. And it was, which was, which I think is very interesting for for me and for people. Um, Like I knew I was good, but I didn't think I was like that good. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, all right. And, but then everybody around me would be like, no, Steph, like, you got this. And so I'm just like, but I think that was also my way of protecting myself so that if something bad did, did happen, I wouldn't be so hurt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I navigated through life, but I would always still kind of be like, but this is what I want to happen and be really optimistic and really focused on this is how it's going to happen, right? And um, that's kind of what it was. I tried to keep myself as humble as possible, but still be confident. And that's pretty much how, how I was up until, up until the worst. And now that a bit of time has passed, how, you know, how do you, do you feel now? Do you feel like you're kind of back to that state? Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm better than that now. Um, because I feel like I've accepted more. That's another thing about the voice. Okay. So, with a lot of people, with a lot of people, it like, it was like Hunger Games, but inside yourself, it was weird, right? So like, it would, in your like own moments, it would make you like dive into yourself and whatever insecurity you had, it would just like rip it open to the, to the top, right? And I'm just like, how do I get back? And a lot of people felt that within their voices that one of my friends is, extremely trained extremely trained right but he felt like he wouldn't be able to to really reap the benefits of the competition because none of the coaches knew how to coach him because he was so trained and so he almost felt like he wasn't good enough to be coached so everybody all uh, like Mm -hmm. had our own like good enough thing it was really weird right um but i think for me Moving on, I was just like, oh, I, I don't really run. I don't really do a whole bunch of riffs. I, I have more of a, a straighter tone, right? And I've learned to kind of just like hone that in as my superpower, you know, and just be okay with that. And I think that was my biggest thing is to be okay with self. I feel like when you're 24, 25, 26, you're still figuring that out, you know? And I think now that I'm approaching, <clears throat> you know, 30, I... <laughs> I feel a lot more like I feel like I'm finally settling into myself and being like, nah, you got this. Nah, that's cool. That's them and that's you. You feel me? So it's it's way better now. It's really interesting to hear you say that and also mention the age because um you know, I let's just say I'm in my thirties. And Ilya is approaching 30 and and the things that we've talked about, I'm just like, yo, once I turn 30, it's just a certain level of fuck it that got like poured into my system. And I just, (laughs) and and, you know, I definitely can't say that all the insecurities have gone away, but I feel much more like comfortable in myself. And, you know, like you said, like, that's them. That's me. You know, this is me. And and I've heard a lot of women say things like that, you know, when you get in your 30s or even in your 40s, life just gets better and different. And I haven't heard that uh, from a male perspective. And I'm always wondering, I'm like, hmm, does, you know, does something shift like that for men at a certain age? Uh, so mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. Yes. Shout yeah. out to everybody who's in their 30s. <laughs> Grow folks. <laughs> 30 years old. And I hope I get this, like, revelation because uh-huh. like i'm telling myself you need to have all this shit together before you're 30 and i'm putting all that expectations on me now so for mm. me, i hope the next day i'm like fuck all this shit this mm. is that's dumb <laughs> well, well how old are you now no <laughs> <laughs> i'm approaching 30 in a couple of short months 
<laughs> same. Same. Somebody literally just turned 29. Mind you, I'm still 29, right? I'm going to hold on to that. So, somebody just turned 29. I was like, man, I remember that age. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I feel like it's 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 more mainly because like everybody has that same thought, right, Monica? I'm pretty sure you have mm-hmm. the same thought, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like you just like I need to have everything figured out, but it's just like when you really sit back, look at like our parents, bro. Like these were whole people that still didn't have everything figured out. Like you get what I'm saying? Like, and we're and we're always gonna be in a state of figuring self out, and when you just kind of like accept that and just be like oh, i'm growing and then there's there's no there's no like age limit on that i think it becomes mm-hmm. better i mean don't be stagnant <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. don't just justify bullshit but like at the same time just accept the fact that you're growing and it's at that's your own a- pace and i think that's such a, a big part of life it's like growing and evolving and I just want to say I definitely blame TV for part of the reason why we feel so much pressure to have everything wrapped up by the time we're 30. Because even now, mm-hmm. uh, Ali and I are binge watching the show Girlfriends. Or even mm-hmm. when I look back on shows like Friends, it's like everybody's like, I'm turning 30. Or like, I'm not married with no kids at 30. And it's like, chill. Like, <laughs> like looking at it now, I'm like, oh, my God. I, I don't think I'm adult enough to handle all of those things yet. So, right. um I mean, I, th- I think times are changing and everybody everybody deserves um, grace and patience, like, you know, to give that to themselves. Mm-hmm. So, take your yeah. time. But I even think about, and I was having this conversation the other day as well, like, a lot of our grandparents, some of us, our parents, like, were out of the house, married by, like, 18. But mm-hmm. that was, like, that was status quo then. That was forced upon them then. And then look at all the shit that came from that. Like, you know what I'm saying? These are people mm-hmm. that still didn't know themselves. You feel mm-hmm. I me? Mean? And so, like, for us, we have had the liberty to, to fuck up royally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and then continually put that back together. So I feel like when we enter into our 30s, 40s, whatever, into our next years, you're just like, okay, now I want to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Now I want to do that. And I'm okay with doing that, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like it's, <laughs> I mean, I just think we're better. So <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> we have the power to make these decisions. Once we stop growing, aren't we dead? Like we have figured out at a certain age what's there to like look forward to, what's there to live for essentially because we mm-hmm. are evolving beings. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But what I find fascinating is that at every stage in life, you always feel like you figured it out. Every stage. <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, I do sometimes like go through phases where I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I got it together. I got it good. And then the universe is like, huh, okay, you thought that was cute. And it throws me a curveball and I'm like scrambling to figure everything out. I feel like all over again. But right. Right. I don't know, you know, keep things exciting, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say mm. things exciting. Like every time I feel like I have things figured out, and then something throws me a curveball, and then I handle that. I'm like, okay, this is the aspect of my life that I miss. Like when I'm, mm. and I feel like I figured shit out. There's not yeah. really excitement. There's not really anything for me to work for. But when it's like something that's like challenging me, and I'm like handling it at this way, I'm like, okay, this is your gift. Like this is how you're able to conquer this. And not this album. I, I say that you made it through this. I dig that. I really like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think for me, I started to realize that um, a lot of these tests or, or experiences or curveballs are really just like, it's kind of like a G check from the universe. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you got all this enlightenment. Are you who you say you are? Mm-hmm. You just asked me for this, but you gonna take that? Are you who you say you are? Right. Oh, I. Yes. You know what I'm saying? But I guess as you as you grow, you, you learn to be less impulsive with those decisions. And as Aaliyah said, like 
when you master the curveball, you know what I'm saying? It's on to the next, and you're just like, I, I feel like I leveled up. <laughs> so like I did Yeah. I'm super saying <laughs> <laughs> I have not quite mastered um not acting on impulse. And it's it's interesting. I wasn't always an impulsive person. I actually grew up very very reserved and very um you know, I'm just not even gonna skirt around. I was like kind of like a scary cat. I didn't take like a lot of risks. <laughs> I just took the easy route. And now, now I am very impulsive. And it's like the minute I want to change something or the minute I think about something that I want different, I have to do it then and there. I'm like trying to work on that. It hasn't really like gone left yet. So I'm like still kind of on that wave. But I mean, even like things with life now, I'm like, thinking about you're plan- planning major life decisions, which honestly, like to me feel impulsive. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, something, something you said earlier made me think of that. And I guess it's just, it's part, it's part of the ride. I think as long as like mm. you, you, you are learning and growing and that's all that really matters, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think important forever. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. I was like, "That's all. It's all about." And that's my singing portion forever. <laughs> Monica, you gotta sing now. Come on. Mm, I was about to because I've been drinking wine, but this is being recorded on audio and video, so hard pass. <laughs> she she said, "I'm working on being less impulsive." So <laughs> yeah, this is. I almost did too. I felt it in my gut. The thing singing i am um I'm, i've always been really amazed by musicians in general mm-hmm. um definitely been sucked into dating a few mm. but uh sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so i sorry. mean y'all are just too much <laughs> you yeah. know actually my, my boyfriend is a former musician and he's great but mm-hmm. um i i think it's it's so much power into being able to like share your feelings with people through music and sound and just being able to touch people that way. Um, And I've always felt that if I could hold a note, I would be a superstar, but God Mm -hmm. was like, no, you know, we need to, we need to have Beyonce. So I'm not going to give you that talent. (laughs) That's that's really how I feel. Um, But no, I have so much appreciation for musicians, especially Mm -hmm. in times like now. This might be an early segue, but um, I I feel like there hasn't been like a ton of music that's been that's been coming out to like address the the things that are happening and like the climate that we're in. There has been one song that I've really enjoyed. Um, Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name, but I'll come back to that. But I didn't mention that you have a song about Breonna Taylor and I don't know if she asked you if you wanted to like play a snippet of that. We could totally like save it for the end or just like link it on our Instagram. But either way, I'm very excited to hear that because I feel like we're in a long fight and black people need music. We need music to like keep us going. We need music to like speak to our souls. I'm really like interested in hearing that song. Right. I'm I'm down if you guys want to play it now. It's, that's cool too. But um, yeah, I just feel like because Nina Simone said it best. Because we we as artists have a duty to the people to speak about the times. You know what I'm saying? And um, and I think that kind of like going back to uh, some of the questions that Aliyah asked before when it came to songwriting. It's just like I kind of just started writing because of a conversation that needed that needs to be had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like is that one thing that's in the, that's that you can't get out just via regular communication. Like I sing because I can't express it any other way. You know what I'm saying? And so when I started seeing everything uh about George Floyd and Ahmad and Brianna Taylor, um that's when this song kind of came in. And I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for it because I've always wanted to speak to something that actually is is moving people or that is um that is pressing to us, to, to our people. Yeah. And I feel like it's time we're in a time now where it's okay to be unapologetic. You know what I'm saying? 
um, and celebrate, celebrate blackness, but also understand that we need to lift each other up. We definitely need to lift each other up and we need to lift up our black women, you know? And so, um, I'm just glad that you, the good song spoke to you guys enough to want to bring it on. So thank you. Um, Ailea, do you want to, I don't know, how do you want to do it? Do you want to like wait until the end and hear like a little snippet of it? I'm going to play some at the end. I don't mind playing anything now. The reason why I wanted it on the podcast is because I heard it last week after Mm. we learned the verdict of Breonna Taylor and it's like, it was like fitting that it's like, it's such a beautiful song Mm. like everyone to hear it. Not just self, so mm-hmm. if you want to play some now, that's mm. fine. We're also going to play some at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. <sighs> um. Okay, so therapy is trying to teach me not to judge my emotions. So one of the emotions that I felt yeah. was like not surprised, but then also me being not surprised, I think is also me being numb. I am judgmental on myself for being so unaffected and now I'm numb. So I feel like Right. I don't really know how to truly process it. Like so many happened at one right. time, like the verdict happened. And it sounds so unbelievable on paper. Look like a that. wall got more justice than Brianna Taylor. And that I'm um, unaffected. I'm, I'm not but surprised. I don't know. Like I don't uh, I mean, know what the like, solve is. Angry on, I angry. honestly, with um, a lot of things that's been happening but this year. I'm not I surprised. Like I personally I'm in an alternate it universe. Feel like I'm numb. It just feels like happens. It's like I know the norm. Is, and know I'm the one that's like outraged about it, but it's like protects and who it no one protect. knows this. So clearly there's something um, wrong with me for I feeling like we should have got justice or feeling like oh this is an easy case. Like I was like, all right. It's so weird. So I kind like of how, don't like that's my feelings, but then expect justice. Actually, like I'm not surprised until that, there have been some like concrete changes. This isn't going to I will expect justice until there have been some like concrete changes. It's a weird. In, I don't know. In I'm police a reform, mix and of emotions. I think mm-hmm. this is going that's on not fully processed. How do you feel, Monica? I think it's going to take a long time for police reform, even no matter what happens in this election. um Especially because it's not like a federal thing. Each state does things differently. And I'm like, Kentucky, justice for a black woman? No, I'm not holding my breath for it. It's it's frustrating. It's angering. It's disgusting. It's like all of all of the the feelings like that I feel about it. Um and it's it's just sad, you know? It's it's really fucked yeah. up. And I, I honestly I didn't wasn't really following the case, so I didn't know that there was going to be a verdict that day and I, until like I saw it on Instagram. So I think that probably helped with the blow. I think if I was like waiting around for it, I may have been a little felt a little differently like the day of. But I'm just I'm kind of like in the place where I'm like the legal system ain't shit, so I'm not gonna expect shit from them. Right. So that's where I'm at. But I feel, I think, however people feel, except for people that feel the verdict is justified, you know, is valid. If you, whatever, if you're angry, you're sad, whatever you are feeling is valid. Mm. I think that we're living in a time where, like, people do their own, we, we all do our own research, right? So, whereas the public... People always used to say in the past, like, oh, you know, people are stupid. Just tell them what they want to hear. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, we're not, we're not mm-hmm. stupid, guys. <laughs> we see what's going on. You feel me? And I think so to, to, to get the verdict, it was just like, and then to have the black guy <laughs> say, I'm black too, so I know, I know how this is. Like, bro, if you don't shut right. Come on, man. Come on, man. So it was, um, it's, it's very, mm-hmm. it was disheartening. I will say 
because like I think we all kind of we we expected the worst, but we're hoping yeah. for the best. You know what I'm saying? Hoping for some type of accountability um, because of everything that happened during this pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Like everything that happened, you guys would do the right thing for once. <laughs> you know, but. I think we gave them a little bit too much. Now we actually didn't give them any credit because we kind of knew this would happen yeah. as well. So. And I think that's mm-hmm. the, the struggle um, with a lot of black people. I think something that we hear often, and I actually heard like a, a older person say in regards to the, to the verdict is just like, you know, we, we love a country that doesn't love us. And I, I hate to hear people say that because it's the spot on, but it also, it, it stings in a way. And I, I think that's really what it is when people are expecting different outcomes. It's like, we're expecting for mm-hmm. this country that, that we help build and that we, you know, we, that people like give their lives for and all this stuff to like hold us down, have our back once. And it's just like, they continue to disappoint us. So, um, that's, yeah. that's us. Yeah, did you so um did you figure out the the technology? Did you get it together? Okay. <laughs> I did, I did, I did. I have worked the machine. Yeah. Uh, and by I I meant Alea has worked the machine. you while you was writing that because what i read on your instagram was that you wrote that song a while ago like before we got the verdict so like what was going through your mind while writing that or were you thinking like i'm not going to release this until after we hear something Mm -hmm. honestly i didn't know when or how that song how this song was going to be received um, and as I said, it was just kind of about being unapologetic, you know what I mean? It, and just really feeling through it. And so when everything happened with Brianna, well, we found out that everything happened with Brianna. Um, I wrote that while in the height of, of everything, like while the protests were going on and 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 while we were marching in the streets and you know actually raising the picket signs and all that stuff i was i was writing that around that time and um it really came to me like all within maybe an hour or two not even and um so when this verdict came out uh we posted it because it felt like it felt like this is what needed to be said at this time um, cause it was written for, for them anyway, you know what I'm saying? And so it was like, this is, this is what needs to be said. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't even think I was even thinking about the verdict as much as I was thinking about the pain of, of our people, you know? And just like, this is, if you have to ask why we, why we're rioting, if you have to ask why we're protesting and you really don't get it, like you don't get it. If you have to ask why it's wrong that 
an innocent woman got shot and killed and they as you said the wall gets more justice than than she does and you you don't you don't get it you feel me so it's more of a it's more of a like yeah. i i got you for for us no problem so in addition to music have are there any things that you do um you know f- to release emotion just you know just i guess for your mental health um i eat i like eating that's great <laughs> um, what do i do uh honestly i think recently it's just been talking i think i spent so much time like not talking kind of like guarding up that like i enjoy things like this because we're all like coming together helping each mm-hmm. other out lifting each other up and <clears throat> i'm almost like putting like putting the dots together while i'm speaking so i feel like it's fine it's just me finally opening up to people that's what i've been able to do this past couple of months it's cool oh and i've been working out Guys, i've been working <laughs> out okay that makes me feel better <laughs> that definitely makes me feel better i could look at my body and be like okay I'm getting <laughs> in. you know what i'm saying i like that what about you guys? What do you guys do? I've been working. Mm. I've been working out, but not consistently. Mm. Um, I've been playing games. One thing that you did say that like speaks to my heart, like me realizing why I do this podcast mm-hmm. is like I'm triggering things out as I'm saying it. I say this all the time. I'm really judgmental mm-hmm. on myself and like how I carry myself. So sometimes I feel like on the podcast. Because I'm figuring things out as I'm saying it on the podcast, that could sound like aloof or like not right, put right, together. Because right. I'm like thinking about it as I'm saying it. You guys are like really getting everything that's like on my mind and my heart while I'm on this podcast. Like it's not free thought out. Like I'm going to say this. So sometimes I fuck shit mm. up. But you guys are really getting the real me. So the podcast has been helping me stay connected. Word. the um pandemic <laughs> therapy and like realizing shit myself like when i do something like oh this mm-hmm. is this is this because of x y and z and if you want to address it because you don't necessarily have to do things that. that you could do to I, that. I wish i could say i was working out um, I was really good at the beginning of quarantine. I was working out in my living room. I was going on runs, but I've definitely worked out maybe once this month. Um, I'm trying to get back to it. I mean, I'm going on some long walks, so, but I mean, I'm trying to get back to it just because I know that that's really good for your mental health. Um, but that's not happening. So right now I've been doing a lot of cooking. I think that it's really hard for me to unplug from screens um, because I'm on my laptop most of the day for work. And then I'll go into the living room and watch TV while I'm on my phone. And I just have difficulty unplugging. But cooking is the only time where I'm not watching anything. Sometimes I'll have something on in the background. But um, so that's that's been really therapeutic. Um, And then, like you said, talking to people. I think throughout this time, I'm an introvert, so I like being in the house. This is cool with me, um, but it's given me an opportunity because everybody else is at home. So, you know, I could talk to people on the phone, like especially my friends that are like Eileen on the East Coast or my friends back in Chicago. They're not going anywhere either. So it's easier to like talk to them and FaceTime them, which I wasn't really able to do before. So those have been my main things. Wait, where are um, you out of? Right now, I live in Portland. Word. What's the time difference? Uh, I three hours from New York. Okay, cool. Not bad. It's pretty yeah, early yeah. for you, so. Yeah, cool. And and I did make a joke of it, but the, I feel the same way about eating. Like, I don't <laughs> look at any phones or anything. You know what I'm saying? Or I, I don't even have on the, uh, the oh, television really? when I eat, you know? You just got to really digest. <laughs> that sounds so nice, actually. I should 
eat more like that. I picked up this weird thing from an old coworker. This doesn't sound really weird, but like looking at food while I eat, or like looking at recipes while I eat. <laughs> so or looking at menus, it's that's a problem. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Let's unpack this. <laughs> So when I was younger, I would, I would watch yeah, yeah. the Food Channel and act like I'm making stuff. But if I watch the Food Channel and I'm not eating anything, I would get mad and hangry. So I to like eat something while mm-hmm. watching that. So it's like it's not that food, but it's this food, and like I could really enjoy this because we both eating Guy Fieri. Okay, it's not just <laughs> we both enjoying this right now. Mm-hmm. Or. I think the worst is uh, I used to watch Rachel Ray when I was like home, right? And I would try to make whatever she made, and it doesn't look like that. And I'm, I feel like I'm traumatized by it, to be honest. So I will eat whatever you guys make, but I just I don't feel like. <laughs> I make good cereal though. I make great cereal. Awesome. <laughs> I recently, not recently, last year I changed my diet and I'm most, I'm like mostly plant-based now. So I've been having a lot of fun trying new Ooh. recipes and trying to like mimic some of my old favorites. I definitely had a fail last night. I mean, I blame it on my friend <laughs> Ashley, if she's listening, cause she kept being like, Oh, that's not going to taste good. That's not going to taste good. I mean, I did make this good cornbread. I made vegan cornbread that was so good, but she told me it looked like a Rice Krispie treat. And I just <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> I felt so discouraged after this. And I was like, I'm not cooking. <laughs> it, was it, was, it was a solid cornbread, if I must say so. I should go get a piece. Okay, can you show I, us? Can you, can you do the cooking channel? <laughs> Right, right we can do that next episode. I will. Okay, okay. Please invite me back next episode. I'm I would curious. love to see this. Yeah, this is really, really nice. So, I was saying that I'm curious to see this Rice Krispie cornbread. It's just cornbread. It's, it's real solid. She's. I have it looks, and I need to see the texture because that is a lot. I, I guarantee I, you, it looks solid. <laughs> It looks real. <laughs> I'm gonna have to put a picture on our Instagram now. Notice. <laughs> I've been I've been wanting to to start transitioning to more of a plant based lifestyle. I just feel like it's better. I saw that little. Oh my gosh! I'm not gonna pass up that. <laughs> I've definitely been drinking too much wine. I'm not gonna touch that glass again. But I I try not to get on my soapbox about being plant based, but. Lately, I have um, I haven't been like super clean, but when I first started to transition, my energy was out of this world, and yeah, and then right. you know my skin was popping, my hair was popping. Um, it's just a lot of benefits, and then also I learned recently that Black people are um, the the fastest growing groups group of like vegans and vegetarians, and I, I think it makes sense too for a lot yeah. of the health issues that are really common in our community um so yeah i think you know even if people don't want to do it as like a lifestyle shift even just like starting with meatless mondays you know it's easy enough you gave me an opportunity so i'm slowly stepping onto the soapbox um our meat (laughs) consumption is one of the big contributors to climate change so if everybody scales back a little bit on the beef you know we might uh, be in, in, in better. I know you don't eat beef. Whatever, pork, chicken. I don't oh, eat beef really? either. <laughs> nah, oh. no beef or pork. I am right. Oh, I eat pork, but you know. But yeah, that, that um, <laughs> would definitely have a positive impact on the planet. So it's good for good for your body, good for the earth, and yeah. I like this. I like this. We need more. Sorry, you gave me a, like, you gave me an good. opportunity, and I'm just like all about it. I really, I just. Uh, love black people so much I, I want us to be like healthy and like live long lives so whenever I can talk about it I'm about it I dig that I dig that now where's your, where's your um, family my family's from? from Chicago well, yeah like well my parents grew up in Chicago uh, grandparents from the south 
So right. when I told my family I was vegan, they were like, what? <laughs> right. Yeah. What is that? Can you still eat bacon? <laughs> my, my mom was like, oh, so you can eat baked goods with butter and eggs and milk? And was like, no. What's up? I just I feel like it's a healthier lifestyle. I've seen enough people transition to it and 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 actually look like they feel better. You know what I'm saying? That it, it's kind of a seller for me. So I'm trying to step back off of it slowly. Like I love chicken. I do love chicken. I'm not gonna lie, right? But I'm working on it. The theme of tonight is wine and growing. Yeah, okay? I'm growing. You can do it. I'm growing into a healthier person. So my growingness, I think I'm too lazy to be a vegan. Because if I was a vegan, I would have to recreate everything that I love as a meat-eating, cheese-eating person. <laughs> That's true. Truthfully, so, for me, like <laughs> I was making it, I don't think I could be vegan until I have enough money to have a chef. Because it's either like I'm going to be starving myself okay. and myself of like all things that's not vegan, which is what I did when I tried being vegan. Oh, okay. Or I don't see the middle ground. Well, can you order? Well, you'd be spending a lot of money, but could you order that's more vegan lot, stuff? That's a lot of money. I could do that for meatless Mondays, but I'm transforming everything completely to vegan. Mm hmm. Mm hmm ordering that yeah, all like, the time that it's going to that's expensive that's a lot yeah i mean i will say that um it it was a little easier for me because i don't really like meat that much i mean i will tear i would tear up some bacon and like ribs and things like that but i could do without it and i like mm -hmm. i think i might be the only black person in the world that mm -hmm. did not really like chicken that much um no my little brother's a little <laughs> weird <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just I'm like I don't see it um, but I think just like you know switching little things out here and there would make a di big difference for people that are interested in to bring it back to, to mental health it definitely gives you I feel more clarity um, right. and there are a lot of things that you can I, I don't think that changing your diet will like cure depression or anxiety or things like that. But I do think that eating healthy has an impact on things like that. So for people that are trying to manage those things, I think that your diet is, you know, one of the first things that, that you should look at and maybe try to like evaluate in, in addition to like other things that you're doing. But I, I don't know. There's like benefits right. all around. Why did you frown? I right. <laughs> I just think, first of all, I love bacon. And then second, I'm thinking like chocolate. Like, it's not even the meat for me besides bacon. I don't give a damn about that, but it's the cheese, the milk, and it's the chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate. Dark chocolate. That's vegan? Yeah, dark chocolate without milk, yeah. I like dark chocolate. I could do that. Boom. Mm, I, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot do that. Um, but, but, I'm yes, growing. that is I'm the growing. theme. That's actually what we're going to call this episode. Wine, what'd you say? Wine and growth. <laughs> wine, growth, and what else? What else are you? Are you? Wine, growth, and me. I don't know. I'm feeling like this honesty theme coming along, like wine, growth, and honesty, but like wine and growth, that sounds like some things that go together. Do wine and growth go together? <laughs> I think not wine and growth. <laughs> Honesty. That is very true. Well, well, what I wanted to ask before before I forget is, can you please provide some recipes for us? Oh, yes. We can like we can help you know Ilea out. I'm I'm really speaking for Ilea, not so much myself. I mean, I would love if Ilea <laughs> had the recipes she needed. To transition, right, Lee? To help you out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Matthew, my boyfriend on this email chain, and she'll send us recipes. Matthew will send recipes, but right. <laughs> for me, dog. It's the I'll sabotate over. I'm like, oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. But if you ain't making it for me and I'm not feeling that creative vibe, like, Word. all right. 
No, but I definitely, I definitely want to learn for sure. Definitely I'll try to, to share some easy recipes. And if everybody listening to the podcast could also submit their emails, <laughs> we, yes. we, can, <laughs> we have a little recipe chain. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Well, tell us um, how people can find you. All right. So right now, you can find me on Instagram at Stefan Marcellus Music. Um, and also Facebook, Stefan Marcellus Music. You can also email me, Stefan Marcellus Music. Try to make it as easy as possible. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Oh, and my music is on Spotify, Tidal, and really wherever you can stream music. It'll be. Awesome. Okay. Do you have anything you want to promote that's coming out soon? I do. I actually have a poll going on right now to figure out what I'm going to drop on my birthday. October 12th, leave the season. You know? (laughs) So it's between uh, my song Conqueror and Holy Water. You guys should go tell me. Wait, is it on your Insta story, the poll? Uh, No, it's in my actual actual feed. Oh, okay. I have like a reel. It's kind of like tell me which one you guys like, and whichever the one has the most, like, we want this, I'm going to post that. Love it. Put that out. Yeah. So stay tuned. October 12th, new song. Boom. All right. Happy birthday from Black Feelings Podcast. Yes. Happy birthday to you. Happy 30th. Oh, thank you. <laughs> happy thank 30th. You. What? <laughs> you're right. You're right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm right. behind you. It's fine. Right. You said two months? I'll, I'll save a space <laughs> for you. It's going to be great. We got there. We got there. All right, guys. Thank you guys for having me on, man. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for, for being on. Us. Seriously, it was such a. And we're back next week because <laughs> I want the cooking time. You heard again. Yes. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Stefan as much as we did. Welcome back for season three. We back, baby. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is Black Feelings Podcast, and that's B L K. F-L-N-G-S podcast. Uh, It's also the same for Gmail. Reach out if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. We would definitely love to hear from you and connect. Yes. We have some excited things coming your way, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for rocking with us. And be well. Thank you. Peace. I saw pickets, I saw signs Now we're holding candlelight If you wonder why we cry You ain't never felt this strife You ain't never been listening You can't understand our hopes If you wonder why we write So our lives won't be denied Oh